Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Fleekazoid Podcast. Today's episode is going to be about F-Boys and Red Flags, specifically 2021 F-Boys, next level ninjas who are spending time in our online spaces, and how to act when you see a red flag, and why you should absolutely not ignore them and act swiftly and honestly, severely. I have to be honest, I do not spend a lot of time with vanilla dating, but I did take it upon myself this past month to get involved in some vanilla dating, and I have a lot to say. I mean, I'm her- I don't know if you guys saw my Twitch stream or some of my TikTok posts talking about what happened to me. If you don't know, I basically decided to hang out with somebody who was two years younger than me, who was, honestly, I would say kind of a pretty boy, but for a lot of you guys, you would have right- you would have wrote him off for his height, but I'm 5'1", so I don't necessarily, you know, do the whole like height thing unless they are literally shorter than me but the entire thing is that this guy presented himself so smoothly even through my f-boy radar and then when the red flags did come up I decided you know what let me talk about this let me make it a conversation let's see what this type of guy does if he is the f-boy ninja that we do have to be worried about what's the reaction gonna be like Now, I do feel like I could unpack this whole entire story, but then this podcast would be like two hours. So what I'm going to do is address some talking points. And as I move along them, I will be bringing up what happened with this guy because he is literally the inspiration for what to look out for and why we should be ultra alert about 2021 F boys. I'm trying not to get caught slipping saying the F word so this can still be monetized. But basically, F boys, dusties, liars. Okay, first of all, we need to not be unassuming of how far these men are willing to lie. I think as women, we get told to be honest, be kind, be yourself, but then guys don't get that advice. In fact, they are told, oh, women lie all the time, so we might as well lie back. And there is no depth to how far they are willing to go. And here's the thing about the type of guy who is doing all this lying. Any man who has to lie to get with you is a man who lacks self-esteem, he is severely insecure, and he is somebody who hates himself. And if he has to lie to get with you, trust me, this man knows personally himself and even his mom that he ain't shit. And to a man like this, he's lying because he literally feels profound pain deep down in his body, in his brain, when he tells the truth because he knows that being himself is not going to give him what he wants which is the cookie. I hate to say it, but it's true. And another thing about this type of dude is that he knows that the man that he is does not live up to where you are in life mentally, emotionally, financially, maybe even physically. You know, you might, you might out-level this dude when it comes to your body type, your body shape, and hell, you might even out-style him too. You might catch yourself dressing down around this guy because nothing he wears and the way that he carries himself cannot live up to your tall girl energy. One of the things that they do, which I'm going to delve into deeper into this podcast, is they will create a persona, a fabricated identity of a man. Sometimes they show up with their own version of whoever this is, but they will usually ask you questions to find out who that man is and what role they need to play. But like I said, we'll get into it later. Moving forward... Something that has no monetary value, I mean technically it does if you are in a field where that is work, but is essentially fleeting feelings, 
Yeah, they are willing to put on a performance, put on an act. They will tell you lines from the notebook. There's no limits to what they will say and how they are willing to break your heart or lead you on and love bomb you all in the pursuit of that one thing. And sometimes not even that one thing, just your time, your energy, feeling like they have control over you. These are the type of men who literally have nothing going on for themselves and they have nothing to say is like theirs, you know, like an actual achievement, no actual accolades. If you're a woman who's ever been on the other end of these lies and a man had you completely bamboozled because you took him at face value for everything he was saying and he was doing just enough to make you believe the lies until one day he just stopped being consistent, I know that that can be a place where you can spend anger in your mind, in your heart, maybe even physically. Um, When this happened to me the first time, I spent months in bed just like depressed and angry and pissed off at myself but what you guys need to know is that this is a sad dude who literally gets none ever he is playing the numbers game with you and he plays the numbers game in general because he knows that whoever he wants he can't get the pick of because he's not the man that he needs to be he wouldn't survive the test of every woman because he knows that he's a turd so please don't beat yourself up over this if you are somebody who's in mental anguish and you are living in the constant depression and just being pissed off about the fact that somebody like this even entered your space, just know that that is your psyche developing self-esteem. That is your brain and your body knowing that you deserved better and you need to just get to the part of the healing process where you change the narrative. Michelle Lee Neves Coaching talks about this and if you guys want to look into that some more, I highly recommend it because I'm not a therapist, but those are just the things that I took away from it. But one thing that you need to know is that they don't see this as con man tactics. They don't realize that they are violating your trust. They are getting access to you in a way that they did not deserve. I mean, yeah, in one way that they do know that, right? That's why they get so insecure and hostile over time once they actually get into a relationship with you. But this is a guy who literally, like, would get none ever if he did not lie. And he learned that. And he doesn't see it as a con man thing. He just sees it as a way of winning the game because that's what he thinks we're doing he thinks we're playing games or they think we're playing games the dudes that do this when it's like no dude we're literally withering you out because we don't prioritize activities like that like yeah maybe some women do but specifically with him like if we were dating you just because of the lies bro you should feel bad about yourself you should realize what a big loser you are but okay let's move on Now, what does it even look like when a man is saying whatever he needs to say to get with you or to make a relationship happen? Girl, the Dusties of 2021 have been spending their time in our online spaces. They know words like love bombing, some of them go to therapy, and they are willing to tell you that they will do it all in the name of love. Well, at least the one that I messed around with did. And, um, wow. Back to how they spend time in our online spaces. Now, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with terminologies such as the female dating strategy Reddit. And then you know how we have our spaces, our creators, our YouTubers that we all get engaged with. Some of them are the gold digger communities. Some of them are the sugar baby communities. Some of them are the femininity level up channels. And while yes, all of these people do have their problematic ways in one way or another, they do contribute information that can help women protect themselves or to feminize themselves or to understand men in a way that their parents, sisters, and elders didn't teach them. My point in telling you guys that they are spending 
their time in our online spaces, communities, and they are reading our conversations is because they are learning how to tune their lives like a guitar. They are trying to play music to our ears. And one of the ways that this F boy that I hung out with for like freaking, I guess if you want to call it four dates, it was like three dates. Anyways, one of the ways that he did it was by bringing up the female dating strategy Reddit, saying how he was such a fan of it, cheering me on when I would say something on the note of the FDS Reddit. And honestly, there's nothing that I don't say that could already be in the FDS Reddit. I, I mimic a lot of the sentiments that come from there, although I don't spend my time in that space. However, dealing with this guy absolutely made me turn towards it. So... Yeah, but one of the things that this guy would use, like one of the words that he would use is high value woman and he would say, I'm a high value man. Now, where did he use the word high value woman? Actually in his dating profile. And a lot of you guys were like, that's a red flag. And it didn't occur to me that that could be something that would actually be said by Kevin Samuels or by some MGTOW red pill community. If you guys don't know what these, you know, MGTOWs are, these red pill things are, they are places where men who feel entitled to women's bodies and energy are very hostile about the fact that they can't get it for free and that they would have to pay for a service if they could get it immediately with no strings attached and with maximum, I guess, you know, high production quality amounts of effort, (laughs) if you want to use that for lack of better words. They want the outfits, they want the behaviors, the look in the eyes, that freaky deaky talk. They want everything and more just by sending you one message that is really weird and out of line. That will usually come up like first Tinder message or, you know, maybe they wait until they get your number and then they're like, send me a picture and you know what type of picture they want. Yeah, these are the dudes. And that's why when they're like, oh, women lie, they say, just tell us what you want. It's like, dude, nobody said that you had to act like a feral, rabid animal. Like, what the heck? They're mad because we have a very specific language that we want them to speak. And they're they're upset because they're like, no, me want sucky sucky at 12 a.m. at midnight for swipe. Like, dude, I hope you do get your sucky sucky. And I hope that you learn your lesson from inviting random strangers over to your house. Because, you know, I don't want to say anything illegal. I'm just saying it's dangerous to invite strangers over to your house that you've never met in person before in a public space. And I'm going to leave it at that. And because some women are just finding out what these terms are in 2021, I'm going to continue to elaborate on this type of guy. So another thing that's frustrating these dudes is the fact that now our online dating profiles give us so many options for what to put on there. We have religion, politics, whether you want a relationship, whether you have kids. There's no more, oh, just ask me and find out. Nah, dude, if you're omitting information, it's like, bye, hiding loser. We're going to left swipe you. And they know that. And they're mad because now we don't want to give them the 1-800 free get to know me chat services, which yes, ladies, you sending messages and interacting to a man is a service that they would pay good money for. And in some places they do. I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Doesn't mean that you have to do that. No, but I'm saying please realize the value of you exchanging messages to dudes who are lonely, deprived, and desperate. Like they really need someone to talk to and to care about them and bad. There's so much that goes into the mental profile of a MGTOW, an incel, red pill, black pill dude. But what you need to know most uh, out of everything is that this guy has a victim mindset. 
First of all, women are talking every day about what they want in a man. We are so vocal on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. We have channels and entire communities talking about what we want. And yet they will still say, women lie about what they want. Just because... There are millions of women on this planet who want millions of different things. It's like lightning. Like, you would be lucky if it striked in the same place twice. So, they can't figure us out. They're upset because they want to put us in boxes. Because girls are not like boys. We don't just like cars, sports, and chicken wings. No, we are so much more complicated. We are like Charlie's Angels. We have 800 different hobbies, and we look good as hell while we do it. They can't stand that. They can't figure us out. It's why they're attracted, but it's also why they're mad because they want a one-size-fits-all type of strategy and they can't get it. So now, where are they? They're in our online spaces. And another thing that they do on top of being in our online spaces is they wildly misinterpret what we say and what we mean. For instance, when we say we want a man who is financially stable, who, yeah, we do have attraction to, whether that's mentally, you know, by their intellectuality or their emotional intelligence, they will take this information and go, she's lying. She wants a millionaire with abs. Or they'll do the most basic thing. They will take the most generalized sentence of what we say that we want, which we have rephrased from the term nice guy to the term high value male. Yes, it has been adopted by their community and you know what they did? They took it and they twisted it and they made it mean whatever the hell they want it to mean that fits their purpose. Now, whatever that is, I honestly can't <laughs> wrap my mind around because it seems to have a different de- it seems to have a different definition depending on who you talk to. And just be wary if we have certain terminologies and code words that we use in private spaces, They're picking up on what they are, and they are not afraid to use it towards you on their dating profile or in conversation or even to adamantly assert it about themselves, much like nice guys do, which is another thing I will get into later. But they will do this and think, haha, yeah, I got her. If I just keep saying that I'm this type of guy, she'll get with me. I'll finally get the cookie. Um, It doesn't work like that. In fact, we actually will see through your actions and behaviors what type of dude you are. But let's move forward because that is a whole other topic. And I know I keep saying, let's save it for later. Let's save it for later. I promise. I promise we're going to get there. The point of this section is to remind you guys, they're in the same places that we are. They're learning the same words that we are. They're hearing what we say when it comes to what we need and what we look out for. And they are responding appropriately by putting it on their profiles or by asserting that that's who they are. So let's make a mental note. A guy who has to tell you that he is a high value man is like the equivalent of a guy who has to tell you he's a nice guy. And just like how it is with the nice guy, you don't have to say that you're nice. You don't have to assert that you're high value. The guy that inspired this podcast today kept asserting that he himself was a high value male. And you know what really snapped me out of it with him? You can call yourself a high-value male all day long, but one of the things that I witnessed was like, wait a second, that was irresponsible? And that was potentially deadly. And somebody who claims to be a high-value male, I don't believe would behave in this manner. It was when we were driving home, I saw his car parked on the street, and he was like, oh yeah, that's the vehicle I have. Well, When I was getting onto the on-ramp on the highway to get home, we were going in the same direction, and as I was merging to go into a lane, I noticed this car was going, like, really fast, and it basically cut me off, and it wouldn't let me get into the lane. 
Well, then when it passed by me, I was like, oh, that's his car. And then as I was driving along the highway, I guess we like we were four lanes apart and I watched him get into the far right exit ramp, which you can kind of see go off in the distance because I kind of live like in a big city where I see those crazy roller coaster highways. And I watched him fly down that highway. And this was after a date where we had like two to three drinks over the course of like four to five hours. And I was like, what the like? Dude, not only dangerous, but irresponsible. If you are going, like, I know obviously there's a legal limit depending on where you live. And in some places it is astonishingly (laughs) questionable. But if you are drinking and driving, or if you have been drinking and then you go off to drive, I think that that's a moment to not speed. That's a moment to drive with extraordinary caution. And this isn't me sitting here saying, oh, I never speed and I'm not and I'm the best driver in the world because, you know, depending on where you live and how the highways are and how the main streets are, you just got to go at the pace with everybody else and you really can't help it at that point and you just have to be defensive and look out for yourself. But the fact that there was nobody on the highway and then when I confronted him, it wasn't, you know what, you're right, that was bad, I shouldn't have done that. It was, how'd you know that was my car? Well, I do that all the time. Well, there was nobody else on the road. Well, there's no one else in my car. So much justification until I finally got him pinned down. And like, we got to the point of like, dude, I know people who have literally either halfway their life or their life from those situations. And I'm sorry if that's triggering because that is usually a triggering topic for me to talk about. But with this specific guy, he did not stop until I talked about people you know, game overing because of that. And then he, you know, I basically had to tell him outright. I'm like, look, this is how you should respond to that. Like all of this stuff, like I get that you're naturally defensive about it, but you should have the response of you're right. That's irresponsible. Like that's a lack of awareness. I probably shouldn't do that. I will exercise more caution in the future. But the fact that he even... Like, I get why he had the questions that he did have. But to me, it was the first sign that that is not high-value male behavior. And there are more things that came out along the way. So this is going to be like a messed-up Terminator movie, and I'm going to go back and forth throughout time and story hop here. But another thing that let me know that he wasn't a high-value male was the way that he didn't respect what I said to him earlier on in the date. Specifically, that I want to take it slow. So what did that how did that transpire? How did I know that he wasn't respecting my wishes? Well, when the date ended and we were going for the end of the night kiss, yeah, it did get a little passionate. It did get a little steamy. It did last longer than 10 seconds. But that did not mean that I gave him permission to put his hands in places where it did not belong. And you guys, if you're a woman in this chat, consent is enthusiastic and it's mutual. And it has to be given. It is not assumed just because of what you're doing, what's going on, how you appear to be, or any conversation that happened before the fact. Especially if you just met this person. I was like, no. Because a man who does actually have 
high value qualities would hear that and respect it and you guys even the most effety of f boys that i have had in my past have never dared to cross that boundary they actually had like a hands-off policy once they started to get a little heated they would back up and be like is it okay if i touch you oh okay yeah awesome like either way either way it was like okay i got it and it was great so that's something that you should look out for when it comes to walking the walk with the talk like for some reason these dudes don't think that we're not going to see this activity and behavior like especially the sloppiest of the thirstiest most deprived ones they will not be afraid to act all dehydrated after pretending to be something for the whole evening which is like dude way to give yourself up but also thank you for showing me that red flag to anybody who's wondering okay where did his hands go like how bad was it we were having a passionate steamy makeout, and then he proceeded to put his hand on my to which I backed up and I was like, what? Like, why did you do that? And then like, I was so into him because like, you know, the looks and stuff. And I was like kind of into the moment, but I didn't like that he did that. But So I still like kept kissing him. And then like he stopped mid makeout to put his hand on the ridge of my crop top. And then it seemed like he was going to attempt to look down it or open it up, which by the way, I had fashion tape on and I had pasties on. Like I wasn't wearing a bra. So if he had actually done it, he would have saw something that I would have never given him permission to see. And in that moment, I actually was like, uh, dude, I'm wearing stickers. Like, nice try. Uh, it was weird, but like I said, I'm attracted. I'm kind of confused because I didn't appreciate that he did that, but I did like him. So I just thought like, okay, strike number two. That's weird. But once again, like I'm confused and I like him. So we proceed to continue moving forward. Then when the makeout ended, I was wearing these like thick short crop jeans like really kind of like cheeky ones but I had a blazer on like hiding the back of the butt and he literally took his hand and ran it up from the middle of the from the middle of the crotch or whatever like from the base of it up to the top of the button the high-waisted button and I would say it was like a credit card swipe and this was something to me that you know if you're wondering oh like what did he do what did he do yeah that was a violating moment and I had a like I had stopped at each turn to be like why did you do that like what was that that was weird and the next day that I saw him I brought it up and I was like hey I literally told you that I wanted to take it slow I said that I move at this type of pace and it just seems like you didn't respect what I said and I know that I was talking to you or we were doing this type of activities or whatever but that doesn't mean that you were given consent just because we did that and while he did apologize and he did agree and he said that he felt bad for doing that like I said I've been in situations with FDF boys who would have never done that to me and that's where I'm like dude that was sign number one that he's not a high value dude another thing that came up too was that in the middle of the date I kept talking about Love Island and then he talked about how oh yeah we could watch it one day at my house we could cuddle and watch it and I was like um you know if today is August 21st or whatever I was like I probably wouldn't go to your house until like I don't know December and that's if I was meeting your family at Christmas and he let out this large gasp and it was like why are you shocked like why if I'm sitting here saying I want to move slow why do you think I would want to lay up on your couch and Netflix and chill with you all right for the purpose of just moving this podcast along he basically had a conversation with me about like a statement of men behaving poorly and men sucking and what he did was basically said the phrase that was like you know not all men 
well, scientifically, statistically, like, he was hitting me with not all men, but, like, change it a little bit different so that nobody knows that I copied the homework answers. To me, this was like, oh my god, it was like crack after crack showing itself and exposing, like, who he really is, which to me was showing misogyny. Like, if not, you know, blatant, explicit, in-your-face misogyny, at least, like, small little core values to where he was using like these sentences that he knows that women hate it's like if you are in these spaces and you hear what we talk about or you see these conversations why would you dare use that phrase you do realize that makes you sound like one of the men in question right well if you guys ever read the book the truth that men don't want women to know i think that's the title i'm gonna have to go back and check that yes okay i did just check it out it's written by bill doe and mike smith two men who included a thing about men like I mean you know pick and choose what you want to get from that book I I really agree with like the first 70 pages of pages of it from what I remember it being about but one of the things that they included was that men will deny 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 and protect the boys club over everything and when he was sitting there protecting the ass of men that he doesn't even know like just arbitrary men in general it was like oh He's in the boys club. And I actually took the time to explain that to him. And he still stood by the statement of like, not all men. Well, that's great that you don't think it's all men, but it is all women. So yeah, it was a crack that exposed itself. And I really recognized it in the moment and I called him out for it and I dragged him by the nuts for it. When I'm talking about the cracks exposing themselves, I'm talking about the red flags. Now, a crack in this case would be a red flag. And in this case, it would be in reference to a veneer. The veneer that they're showing you, the facade of the man that they want you to believe that they are. What happens when a crack forms in a windshield? It spreads whenever it goes over a speed bump. And if it goes over enough little minor bumps or just enough like activity happens, the crack will spread so far to the point that the window will shatter or it will go all the way across the thing and it will ruin the entire image of you know the pristine product that once existed so what i'm telling you guys is that when you see the flaws and the cracks let them expose themselves read into it don't deny it in fact i encourage journaling because this is going to be an instance where you would want to journal it and you would want to trust your intuition on why it even appeared to you as a red flag at the point of dating that i'm in i would say that red flags are like those clowns who pull out that rainbow ribbon from their sleeve you think wow there's no way it can continue to go on nope where there's one there's usually many more it's like playing whack-a-mole you'll have a conversation about one of their red flags and maybe you will close the chapter on it and then like other moles will pop up that you will catch yourself trying to frantically hammer down into the ground and somebody on the female dating strategy said this in, in a comment, but she said that red flags were like roaches. Where there's one, there's usually like a hundred other hiding. And it's it couldn't be more accurate. Now, what if you want to address the red flags? What if you want to give them the opportunity to speak for themselves? Well, that's actually something that I decided to do on this date. Now, just the fact that he was a dangerous driver alone had me reliving some of the worst experiences of my past that gave me really bad feelings in my stomach that had me journaling for a whole day, wondering, man, why do I feel so bad about this? Like, what about this is triggering me? In my mind, it was like, 
You know, if this wasn't a situation where this man was telling me he was high value, like it was basically I was feeling gaslit because he was telling me he was high value. And then I was seeing all these things that were contradicting it. So I was being gaslit in real time. But in my brain, I was like, dude, I would not go on this date. Like I would literally ghost him. And I told him that like I showed up to the date and I said, look, I like you. And because I like you, I believe that there is an opportunity for a conversation here. And when I gave him that conversation, what the real opportunity was for to me to continue to gaslight myself, but through his mouth. And you guys saw how it went, or you guys heard how it went based off the previous point. Like, it was good enough-ish, but mostly because I really wanted to buy the veneer that he was selling me at first. But much like the roaches, more red flags appeared later on throughout that date. Another red flag for me that appeared with this dude was him ending the first date. Not even when the first date was at its end, but it was like encroaching the end of the first date and he was already telling me he was going to delete his apps. Look, if you have been dating for the last seven years of your life, I don't know how old some of you guys are, but it's a red flag that somebody is trying to claim exclusivity where it's not due. He hasn't even proved himself as being worthy of exclusivity. Like, why is he even announcing that or making that a thing? And yeah, he did backtrack it and be like, oh, well, you don't have to delete your apps. To me, that's like, you either want exclusivity where it's not due, or you have absolutely no options, and you do not have the chemistry and charm that you think you do. It was like, okay, that's good to know. But then when I got home, he texted me that he did it. He deleted his apps. And then when I went to go look at the app that we met on, his profile was still there. So that was another sign. Like, okay, this is a guy who's not living up to his word. Like, did he think I was going to delete all my apps on the spot and that I wasn't going to check him or find out that he did that? (laughs) It was just really weird. And it was something that kept being brought up throughout the course of the four meetups that we had. But another thing, too, um, that was weirding me out about this guy early on was that he wanted to see each other like day after day. Now, look, if this was a sugar daddy and I was collecting my bag every time I saw him, I'd be so happy to do this. But this was like, where's your life? Where's your friends? It was giving me the vibe that like he's lonely and he needs somebody to have dinners with or I don't even know. It was like, um, that's suspicious. That's weird. And at one point he was taking me away from my bag. So in between the third and the fourth day, I was like, dude, I got to go like four or five days without seeing you because I need to make up for lost time. But even in that gap of those four to five days, I think I spent most of my time online talking with you guys like this is weird. It's weird. And let's unpack why it was weird. What was happening here was that I was being told these grand characteristic traits, such as being a high value man in the way that we would use it. By the way, if you guys are hearing that sound in the background, it's thunderstorming. But being claiming to be a high value man, claiming to be a catch, saying that, you know, he's the relationship type and that he's stable and he wants consistency. Like I was hearing all these things and thinking in my mind, there's no way somebody would lie about this because they will get caught. Or they will get exposed. Like, it will be literally a day or two days or a week before I find out that that's not the person they are. Because that's not something you talk about. That's something that you live through and you embody with actions. And one of the things that I kept doing online was, like, going back and forth with myself. Like, oh, I like him. I have a flame for him. And then being like, no, some of this is kind of weird. Like, let me keep my options open. Let me secure my bag over everything. Of course, him being cute and me liking his dating profile and enjoying his personality had a lot to do with why I didn't want to believe it was true, but it was the act of gaslight of like, 
hearing characteristics being thrown at my face of himself describing and then me wanting that so badly from a person not just any person though like a young person that I'm attracted to but it was like personality attraction but now I realize that that was just the representative um it was so quick to expose itself and if I would have just trusted what I was feeling in the first place or what was coming to my mind when it was happening in in front of me in live action you know the moments where I did actually twist his balls like I could have probably avoided the the pain. The pain of, he lied to me, he betrayed me. Because eventually he did come out and expose himself as a man who wants the 50-50 pick-me chick. All right, now it's actually raining really hard, so if you hear it, I'm sorry. But I know a lot of you guys are going to ask me, why did you overlook it? What happened? Like, where was your mind? Replay the last three minutes, okay? Because that's where my mind was. It was a reminder that I obviously still have a lot to learn in this world, and it gave me a glimpse of what a lot of you guys deal with, so let's just consider it a lesson for the better, and let's move on. Taking the topic away from this specific guy and all the red flags that he showed and why I overlooked them, I want to bring it to random red flags that you guys might see that appear as cracks in the veneers that will definitely start to spread and will eventually shatter the entire veneer. One of them that I'm going to bring up is being on time with the calls and on the dates. So let's say if you guys planned a FaceTime date and he shows up, you know, 30 minutes later after the agreed time, all like, hey, what you doing? Like, let's do this now. No, thank you. Sorry. Like, unless you let me know that you were going to be late in advance and that you wanted to reschedule it. To me, that's a red flag. Why is that a red flag? Because I've dated professional athletes. And they would be traveling all over the world, be hours apart in time zones, be calling me from Egypt or the Netherlands, and we would still have cordial on-time dates, even if they had somewhere to be in the morning or something going on. Like, they were very cordial and punctual. So I would definitely not overlook that if he's being iffy with his presentation and, you know, putting his best foot forward as far as being punctual goes, I would say that that's going to be a trend that's going to carry itself throughout the relationship. So definitely keep that in mind. Another one that's going to be a red flag is if they're, if they're late to the dates. Like if you're, if you're sitting there waiting for more than 15 minutes and he didn't let you know like a specific reason or he didn't give you time in advance to let you know that he was going to be late, I would honestly just leave. Just leave and don't even tell him. Let him show up and be like, ha I'm gone. Like, don't give that any energy or support. There are some red flags for me that are so obvious. It just comes down to when a person is hiding who they are, specifically in the Tinder, Bumble, uh, Hinge space, where you can put your religion, your politics, where you can actually describe who you are and what you're about. If a man purposely chooses to leave the relationship section empty, the want kids, don't want kids, don't know situation empty, I think that's a red flag because it's like, why are you hiding, you little b- I think that that's how you can tell that they're running a numbers game and that they're trying to maximize the amount of swipes that they get and the activity that they can pull on the websites. Like, God forbid that they say that they do want kids or they don't want kids and then they lower their numbers because they know women actually read profiles. Same thing with with religion and politics. God forbid they say the wrong thing and don't get their chance to get with a girl that they consider to be in a freaky mindset or somebody who's completely different to them that they want to conquer and dominate. For me, I personally struggle with identifying red flags when it comes to profiles in the vanilla dating space. And when I say vanilla, I mean Hinge, Tinder, Bumble. 
Some red flags are so obvious to me, like the dudes who are unoriginally corny and thirsty, like, oh, here for a good time, not a long time. Oh, in town for a week, want to be my tour guide? No, dude, I don't want you showing up at my spots, like, (laughs) without me one day, acting like you're the tour guide for someone else. No, thank you. And if somebody in their dating profile is being openly sexual and cheeky and just unoriginal about wanting to do something freaky deaky dude take it at face value you're not going to change that person if you want a relationship and you see that just write it off right away don't even deal with that person they're going to assume the fact that you right swiped on them was consent kind of like how david dobrik and his friends sent out that thing like oh who's down to f and then that whole dom situation exploded and turned into an S.A. case. I almost said the wrong word. But yeah, definitely do not get engaged with that type of dude. I don't care how cute he is. If you want a relationship, if you want someone that takes you serious, who's going to actually try to court you and not just try to smoke weed somewhere on a random dock, don't do it. Something that was said in the FDS podcast that I'm going to regurgitate here is that you don't need any red flags if you're not feeling it with the person. If your spidey senses are tingling and your intuition is telling you something is off, something is not right, this is good but it's also bad or this is weird and you're confused and you find yourself having a lot of conversations with like your friends or you get to the point where you're straight up just not telling your friends stuff, you're not putting things into conversations because you know what it's going to be. You know that they're going to point out the red flags. You know that they're going to tell you get away from that man, don't talk to him, this is weird, that's weird and you know that your your judgment's going to be questioned and they're going to give you the side eye for why are you even speaking to this person yeah that's a sign that that's a person that you should absolutely not be dealing with and being a person who has been in a six-year on and off relationship like from high school through entering college which by the way I don't really identify with that version of myself anymore but the one lesson that I took away is anything that they are doing in the beginning that's driving you crazy or irritating you is not going to go anywhere. It's actually only going to keep getting stronger in your mind and you're going to be like, oh my god, they keep doing this. They won't stop. Another red flag that I overlooked with the dude who inspired this podcast today was that he came right out the gate with the I have mommy issues and I have daddy issues. And no, he didn't say that verbatim. He actually spent three of our dates going into deep details about the stuff that he would talk about in therapy and why his dad was so messed up and how his mom was messed up in her own way as well. And let me tell you guys something. I noticed that women who come from backgrounds with troubled fathers or troubled mothers, yes, we may have our issues, but we can continue to thrive, form families, loving relationships. Like, we can move on from it while having that be a part of our story, but not letting it actually affect us. Like, we could probably tell a messed up story in our past with a smile on our face or even turn it into comedy. Whereas a man who comes from a messed up family, I am so sorry, sweetie, but they turn into Ted Bundy. They turn into incels, red pills, MGTOWs. Like, they have some really messed up relationships with the world. For some reason... I'm not a psychologist, but I've never met a man who didn't have mommy or daddy issues that were severe or that were like things that they were openly talked about that didn't end up being somebody who had some other type of problems going on in their mind or who ended up being problematic in their own way. I think that this is kind of one of those red flags that some of you guys would find problematic. Like, oh, what if they're working on it? What if they get past it? 
girl, years. They're going to need years of work. And even then, like, the dude that I was on a date with, I mean, he may be his own type of special breed of a**, but that was a red flag that I overlooked because it wasn't just, like, one thing that came up here and there. It was, like, almost all of the conversations. And then another thing that kept becoming a conversation was his allergies. Like, I don't know. He just spent a lot of time talking about his problems. Maybe he was using me as therapy and I didn't realize it. But yeah, guys, that's another red flag. Are you being used as therapy? For me, if I'm going to have a long-term relationship with someone, I would hope that if they do have a problematic issue with their family members, that they've at least established boundaries and they came to a place of peace with either cutting them off or having a very strict relationship with them, which I noticed that this man seemed to enter his adulthood into, like, it just seemed like he didn't, (laughs) especially based off the way that he was talking about everything. It seemed like he definitely didn't move past it, uh, even with the therapy. It seemed like he was still actively working on it, and it didn't register to me that he either kept bringing it up to trauma bond with me or because maybe he just hasn't completely moved on from the issues. The weirdest thing is that that these guys will literally come right out the gate like, yeah, I have this issue with my mom. Yeah, I have this issue with my dad. And like you can probe and probe and probe and they'll tell you the whole entire story. Like this is somebody who's trying to get you to take pity on them right out the gate. For me though, I have my own issues with my dad and it hasn't necessarily affected my life. Like yes, it has, but not mentally. I think it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm triggered by this or I'm triggered by that. But it's another to go into deep depths about your trauma with somebody that you just met. My personal experience is that when I tell people that I do stuff online and that I have a social media career is that they will ask me like a million and one questions about what I do and I I usually prefer for them to not be curious but I find that very often being the talking point not oh my god let's talk about how much we hate our moms and dads like (laughs) Uh, usually I talk to somebody about that if I've known them for like a year and even then dude. Another thing too with these people who are trauma dumping on you as soon as they're getting to know you, fun fact, they do it with everyone that they meet for the first time. It's not special. They're not being vulnerable. Um, Like with respect to the tragedy of what one annoying ass dude that I dated in the past had, he would would literally open up the gate with everybody that he met talking about all of the... like deceased family members in his life which was like oh my god that's horrible that's awful but it was how he got to like disarm you and how he got you to even be open to falling for the veneer and charm that he was putting out that he wanted people to like and then after he would unleash all of the unfortunate scenarios of what happened to all his other family members which by the way rest in peace like obviously nobody deserves that but after he would go into that Then he would tell you about his mommy issues and how they had no boundaries and how he continued to have this weird relationship with no boundaries with her. And it just seems so unmitigated and like just very strange. And I don't think I've ever had a positive relationship with anybody who had came out the gate with all of their traumas and who used that as an opportunity to get me to like them and to give them an image of perceived vulnerability. But if anything, consider it for the red flag that it is. It is going to be very endearing and it is going to be something that pulls on your heartstring, especially if you're somebody like me who's really sensitive to information like that. 
just try to remove yourself from the situation and ask yourself what type of person would do that who would open up getting to know them right out the gate like I'm literally talking first day getting to know this person unless you were the one who was poking around and asking questions because personally I've known people for months until I found out that they had family members in their lives that they had lost and these were women so take that in mind you know we may have you know any issues as all families do because no family is perfect but I definitely would not delve into every single little nook and cranny in detail about why it's messed up and what happened in the past like if I'm getting to know someone those are things that you get to know about me over time like I wouldn't be throwing that all out on the first date so don't see that as vulnerability when it's coming right out the gate honestly I'm going to say it, I think that's a lack of substance. I think that somebody who's not talking about their hobbies, their friends, what they like to do on the weekends, like couple this up with the second red flag that this guy was giving me. Well, I say second, but the whole thing about him being free like every day to continuously see me for date after date. It's like, um, where's your life, bro? (laughs) Sorry, but not sorry. I actually asked him straight up too on the second date. I was like, are you clingy? And he was like, I'm not clingy. And then I was like, but you just want to see me every single day and spend like every day with me. And it didn't register to him. So it's like we can know these things about them. We can ask them straight up to their face. Are they going to admit it? Absolutely not. That's why it's our responsibility to take it as face value and to interpret it the way that we see it based off of our past experiences or based off the experiences of our friends or our loved ones who have gone through similar things who just want the best for us. A lot of you guys have diagnosed the dude for being a narcissistic and even like thinking, oh, that's probably why he's in therapy. I'm not going to diagnose anybody, but you know, narcissism is on a sliding scale and sometimes it's a developed thing that you do as a coping mechanism or it's just something that you do because you were born that way back to using the dude who inspired this podcast as an example of red flags on top of using buzzwords like saying i'm high value saying that his therapy taught him that communication is important he also did this other thing. Oh my god, this should have been so obvious to me. So first when I told him that I was Dominican and Puerto Rican, and this is something that I notice with men who try to pander to me, they'll suddenly try to like put on accents when they say certain things. Like they'll try to do like a Spanish accent or talk about loving Spanish music and then like talking about like, oh, the bachata. And I'm like, look, that's great that you have an appreciation for it, but I have to explain to these people that I'm kind of disconnected from my Spanish culture just being a first-generation American um, just because of like 2001, 2009 being like prime eras for like girls with the Paris Hilton aesthetic. No disrespect to it. I love Paris with all of my heart and soul but that was something that did end up actually having an effect on me and that's just how it expressed itself. So I try to explain this to men and first he was using the like Spanish appreciation thing and then after I told him that he stopped like he completely stopped altogether which I actually kind of appreciated but then later on on our second date he proceeded to ask me um you know what is my deal breakers and I do actually like this topic I like this talking point because I think it's a good opportunity to get to really know someone and I told him straight up broke boys well up until this point He was feigning that he came from humbleness, that 
His family had humble beginnings. Then he told me that his family wasn't actually from like a broke background, that they actually came from one of the richest golfing communities in the city. And it was like, what? And then he told me like all the golfing neighborhoods that he lived in, which is not a cheap thing in Florida. Like you live there when you have shmoney. So I knew like, okay, he's pandering, right? But then on top of that, he kept like speaking very arbitrarily of his money. Like he kept saying, I got money, I got money. Like he would fit it in randomly into conversations to the point where I had to tell him, look, you don't have to say that. And, And on top of saying that like, oh, I got money, I got money, he would be like, I'm not going to tell you how much I have, which was like, I didn't ask. Like, I wasn't going to even try to get a number. Oh my gosh, my cat has a zoomies right now, and that's all I can think about because I can hear him running around. But I just was like, okay, he was clearly playing the tune that he thought I needed to hear. Look, you can call these types of people out in the moment for doing it, but all they're going to do is gaslight you tell you oh well actually little like they're gonna find a way to justify it and to try to soothe your red flag alerts but (laughs) take it for what it is at face value okay if he's ready to switch it up on the dime just like that what else will he do what else is he gonna lie about what else has he been lying about thinking that you know, that that's what you like or that's the person that he needs to be if he's literally shape-shifting right in front of you that's a huge red flag This is another red flag that you guys are going to go back and forth with me about, but this is specifically in relation to this dude. He was 25 and he had never had a girlfriend. Now look, I am 27 years old. I have been the first serious girlfriend maybe mm, two times in my life and I do not recommend it. I do not co-sign it. That is literally signing up to be the training wheels. Anytime he messes up, does something stupid or does not court you to the fullest extent or if he even emotionally acts out in a troubling way, it's gonna be, you're my first girlfriend. You knew that I've never done this before. So let's not even put ourselves in that position, besties. Let's avoid that dude. This is another huge red flag, also inspired by this dude, but inspired by the F-boys of my past. If this man specifically asks you, when will you sleep with me? He is the guy that is going to walk away as soon as he gets the opportunity to do so. And if he would leave you for not sleeping with him, he will leave you the moment that you actually do give him the opportunity. He wants to know, how long do I have to pretend? What type of act do I have to put on? Who do I need to be to get the cookie? Like, a guy will ask you this, and if you say, oh, three months, oh, four months, he'll be like, okay, so maybe I'll just see her once every other week. I can plan these dates at these locations. He'll start budgeting. He'll do the math. He'll even think about, like, ways to love bomb you along the way to make you feel like you guys are getting closer. And then right when you give him what you actually, you know, said you would (laughs) in that timeline, he will leave. Or he'll fade out, he'll be inconsistent, and he'll act like a jerk to make you come to your better senses to make you leave him. If he is a less monkey. A guy who respects you, who wants to grow close with you over time, who sees you as a human and who sees your value outside of what you can give him, he's not going to ask for a timeline. He's not going to ask what he has to do. He's going to let the, he's going to let that moment come to fruition naturally, romantically, and he's going to do everything that he can without asking for any instructions or any guidance to get to that point with you. So any man who's asking, how long will it take? Just girl, 
Please, those are the golden words to know exactly what he is after and what his goal is. Another huge red flag that I've noticed from Dusties who pretend to be high-value males or nice guys or alpha males, you know, the ones who self-allege these traits, they will start to brag about stuff that is random, like crimes, okay? They will brag about crimes or violence. Like, I had one Dusty in my past who bragged about breaking his keyboard from raging in video games, breaking his mouse... The dude who inspired this podcast today would brag about speeding or would brag about the fact that he would go to skate in like places where it wasn't legal to skate and like running away from the cops or never getting arrested. These dudes who brag about getting away with crimes or being violent, it's like, why are you choosing to brag about that? Do you not have an actual accomplishment or an accolade? And the wildest thing too is that this will be one of the first things they tell you about. So, Something about people who brag about crimes and getting away with stuff, they think that they are literally untouchable. They think that they are above the law. Well, guess what? One day they're going to find out that they're not. They are going to realize that they are very touchable. And it's not going to be your job to mother them into being like, oh no, don't break a keyboard. That's wasteful. Oh my God, don't speed. What about your life? Nope, that's fine. Honestly, let them game over themselves. Like, (laughs) that was their mama's job to protect them. It's not yours, especially if you just met them. Like, they are obviously not where they need to be in life. Double points of red flags if they are 25 and their frontal lobe is fully developed and they're still bragging about stuff like this. Girl, that troublesome nature is cemented in their brain. And while we're here diving into this 2021 Ninja Dusty and more red flags that he showed me that I just let slide under my dumb radar. Ah, Okay, let's get into it. He was bragging about having these like thousand dollar luxury clothes, getting them hemmed and fitted. And he also would go on to tell me that he lived in an apartment that was in the ghetto that required him to own weapons and when I asked him oh where do you keep your weapons he he didn't tell me that he kept them in a safe he was he didn't even tell me where he actually kept them I was like oh and look I don't need to know exactly where it is all I need to hear is that it's in a safe place it's out of sight it's somewhere that only he knows that nobody else is going to get access to like just point blank period I think that that would just be the most responsible thing to do And in general, he was just sounding a little irresponsible. One, you know, living in a neighborhood that you self-proclaim to be the ghetto. And then two, bragging about owning luxury items. Look, I may have not had the best upbringing in this entire world, but I can recognize poverty mindset. And to me, that was giving me very much poverty mindset. Like, don't you have priorities? Like, congratulations, I'm glad that you have things in your life that make you happy and excited, but that is very questionable to me. But once again, you don't even need that if you want to walk away. If you just feel like it's off, it's weird, it's wrong, it's not for you, you don't have to have this HR reason or legal reason that you submit into the office to justify why you decided to leave. It doesn't have to be anything more than the fact that it was just not right for you. And don't be afraid to leave it at that. So I'm going to end this section of red flags right here. I feel like I could be adding more into this part. Maybe if you guys want to leave some comments down below about red flags in your mind, I'm so open to taking them. Um, You know, if you're watching this on YouTube. But If anything, we will talk about how to avoid 
even encountering the red flags or even letting them build up down the road. So sit tight. We're going to move on to the next chapter, which is going to be intuition. Trust that One of the most powerful things misogynistic thinking has done is convince women that their intuition is crazy, it's wrong, it's not accurate, and making us mute it altogether or even just doubt the voice of it and make us feel like we shouldn't even express what our intuition is saying to us. With peace and love, it's biologically known that men are not in touch with their emotions because they were just simply not designed that way. In high school, I read two books. One was The Psychology of the Female Brain and the other was The Psychology of the Male Brain. Which book do you think was bigger than the other and came with more pages and chapters? That's right, the book about the woman's brain. Also, I don't know how many of you have been in a relationship where you had that sudden feeling like, oh my god, he's cheating, or I can tell that the vibe is different, you know, when he starts fizzling out on you or fading out on you. That's our intuition speaking to us. How is it so accurate? How is it so receptive? Well, going back to what makes us different from men, one of our survival instincts was being very receptive to other people's emotions and being able to reflect on them. We are so tuned in to the most minor cues and men have no idea like, oh my God, how does she know? Where did she get that idea from? And that's where they do, that's where they will tell you that you are crazy because in their mind, they've done literally nothing to actually indicate cheating. But in our minds, it's like, mm, no, we are aware of the consistency, the patterns, the habits, even the micro expressions, even the micro tones used in speaking to us. There are a few ways that intuition will speak to you. One is through your stomach. Your stomach will probably start to scream at you after you process that situation and you go on a full circle thought. But what will also happen is that like you'll know that your intuition is speaking to you when your stomach is being very negative and your brain is telling you, I don't want to believe that. That can't be true. Like your brain will be sitting there rationalizing it, but your feelings physically will feel very off. That's your intuition. That's a moment you need to listen to it. Now, as far as rationalizing it, If you're rationalizing it and you're trying to turn it off, that's you muting your intuition. There's this quote right now going around from Halsey on TikTok that talks about how when you meet someone and you get those butterflies in your stomach, that's actually a sign of danger and to avoid the person who's giving you butterflies. And I know this seems counterintuitive because you're thinking that you really like them. But what the butterflies are doing to you are sending signals of, do they like me? Do they want me? Do they feel the same way about me? Which is bad. I know we interpret it as positivity, but in that moment, what you really need to be chasing after is somebody who makes you feel safe, someone who makes you feel secure, someone who doesn't even make you ask yourself those questions. Getting in touch with our emotions and recognizing what they mean when they start sending signals to us is so important because they are here to guide us. They've been given to us over time through evolution as a feature of survival. We should not be muting them, rationalizing them, or trying to find some type of way to let other people gaslight our emotions out of us. One of the ways that intuition presents itself too is in dark humor. There are situations where people will make a joke that sounds very, very horrible, like there's no way that could be true, but that's actually their intuition presenting itself verbally. For instance, one of the examples that I witnessed online when trying to learn about my own intuition and trying to get in touch with it was when the Unabomber was a thing that was going around in America and one of the packages that he sent to one of his victims 
um, it was sent to an office where everybody was like, oh, this guy hasn't worked here in years. Like, why does this package have oil on it? Why does it look greasy? And one of the employees said, you know what? I'm going to leave and walk away from this room before this thing blows up. And then guess what happened? Exactly that. So keep in touch with your intuition in that way as well. Realize when it's speaking to you through even dark humor. One of the reasons why I'm so heavy on promoting journaling because I feel like my intuition doesn't get its opportunity to truly express itself in a full verbalized articulate thought until I put it down on paper. Sometimes I will purposely separate myself from my room. I will put myself in a different environment and I will try to give it more space to think freely. And I don't want my mind to try to interject or say something that would interrupt the flow. Sometimes people struggle with journaling because they need a prompt to get them going. So in this case, let's say maybe you do go on a date or maybe you do come back from, you know, spending time with your lover and you're asking yourself, what is my intuition saying to me right now? Well, make that your prompt. Another thing I'm huge about is meditation. I'll go light up a eucalyptus candle or a rose candle and then I'll go on YouTube and I'll type in meditation for gaining clarity. Specifically, a guided meditation, something that is promoting wisdom, something that has mantras in it, something that helps me form thoughts that I probably wouldn't have come to on my own because my brain wanted to really rationalize the situation and have an optimistic take on it despite whatever my body was actually saying in the moment. And sometimes, even if your intuition is wrong, it's better to act on it anyways. Another thing too that I wanna put out there is that if you trust your intuition, let's say on, hmm, maybe I shouldn't go out tonight, or maybe that's a date that I'm going to avoid. What are you going to lose from doing something like that? If the person's really interested in you, they'll reschedule. Or if you have good friends, they're going to be like, okay, take it at face value, and they're going to let you live your life. You should personally take the route of trusting what that little voice is saying to you and acting on it if you want to build up your intuition. One of the worst things I ever did was vocalize my intuition to the wrong people. People who were looking to use me and using me as a Trojan horse to connect me to a man that they saw as somebody that they could benefit from. And I just want you to know that you may not realize who these people in your life are, but if your intuition is saying one thing and they're going, no, no, look, it's better to act on what you're thinking and what you're feeling. It's good that you expressed it and that you sought out another opinion. And maybe you don't feel right vocalizing it to everyone. Or maybe you don't feel like you can vocalize it to everyone. But let's say that you are thinking about dating somebody and you are already seeing red flags or you are having feelings. And you are coming from a place of maybe desperation or sadness or maybe you feel alienated. Maybe you just need a friend. That is going to be the scariest time to trust yourself and rely on yourself because you're probably looking for a life raft or you're looking for some sign of glimmer or hope and you really just want positivity and optimism there. But one of the best things that you could do is listen to yourself over everybody else. Especially if you are in a period of your life where you're listening to sad songs or you're imagining having intimacy in your life that maybe you're missing, whether it comes to friendships or relationships, or maybe you want so much more for yourself, but you're not there and it's actually actively frustrating you. Be so worried about your intuition and your relationship with it because I think that's when you're the most prone to not hear it out 
because you're doubting yourself because of where you are in your life or at least that's what I was doing like I'm not a therapist this is just some self-projection here but this was one of the times in my life when I looked back on it and I was like telling myself everything that I needed to know and I was seeing the flags for myself and because I wanted friends and connections and people that would help me out or who were telling me that they could take me to the next level that's when I was more prone to turn off that voice in my mind because I thought maybe they know more than I do. Well, guys, one of the signs of being an adult is not looking for permission from other people. You don't need anybody's permission to trust what your body is telling you. This by no means means that you shouldn't voice your intuition or vocalize it out loud. But I'm just saying, be wary of your mindset, where you are in your life, Because if you feel like, oh, I'm not in a great place or maybe I haven't been making the best decisions when it comes to business or professionalism or wherever you are, maybe it's even romantically, maybe you feel like, uh, just got out of something that was bad and now I'm really questioning my own judgment. You don't need permission to trust your own judgment. If the feeling in your stomach and the words in your journal are telling you to protect yourself and to act on the judgment that is looking out for you, Because nobody's going to look out for you more than you look out for you. And no one's going to have your best interest in mind more than you ever will. Do not ever put that in anyone else's hands. That's a moment for you to listen to your intuition. And I do want to apologize because I realize how serious of a tone turn that this topic took. But literally the times in my life when I have been the most traumatized is when I have allowed people to get in in between me and my intuition or when I have allowed them to silence that voice in my mind and make me question it. So I'm going to move on from this topic. I hope that this helps. If you guys want to learn more about getting in touch with your intuition, there are some fantastic videos on YouTube. They're actually where I got my information from. Most of my information comes from YouTube, you guys. YouTube therapy is my healer. But um, let's move on. The next thing that I want to talk about is what could I have done to be more receptive to red flags to avoid a 2021 Dusty? The wildest thing in my brain is that somebody could be actively love bombing me no matter how far apart it is from the last person who love bombed me or how aware I am of love bombing, the narrative in my brain will think that they are nice and will go, of course they're like actually in love with me. Of course they want to delete all their apps after one night of meeting me before the night even ended. Look at me, I'm amazing. Who wouldn't do that? The thing is that I've actually had dates where that was something that we did as an act of intent and showing each other that we really liked each other. But you guys, apps can be re-downloaded in three minutes. Go look on the app. Is his profile still there? In this case, this guy's was. But something about it still spoke to me in a way that love bombed me, especially because he was nodding along to all of the things that I was saying about what I wanted for a man. Like, oh my god, you guys. The fact that, like, he was kind of, like, some of the worst part of my exes combined. It was, like, that TikTok sound of Stewie being, like, same just different shapes. Let's actually hold our standards in line with characteristics and displays of effort. So, let's say, in this case, he was saying that he had intent to be with me seriously, Okay, that's great. You know, you don't have to delete your apps to show me that. Next time, like, a man needs to do that in his brain and not say anything to me about it and just take me on dates and just court me and say nothing about exclusivity where it's not due. Another opportunity that I would have had for myself to avoid being love-bombed in this situation or putting him on a pedestal that he shouldn't have been on was 
giving him the opportunity to even nod along and agree to things that I said that I wanted. One of the reasons why girls say don't actually tell them what you want, don't actually say what you're looking for, it's because you are actually going to be protecting yourself. So when he asks you, oh, what are you looking for? What do you want? That is your cue to say something along the lines of, I will know it when I see it. And that's not you not knowing what you want. In fact, you can very much be a woman who is aware of what she wants. You're just not going to give him the roadmap. You're not going to give him the opportunity to say that that is him and to make you see him in a way that he has that he has not displayed himself to be on his own through his actions and through his behavior. I used to think that I was saving myself from guys who were dusties by telling them that I wanted protectors and providers, thinking that they would know exactly what that means. And yeah, they do know what that means. Is that going to stop them from pretending like that's them? No. In fact, what they're going to do is take those words, add it to their characteristic resume, and then they are going to trot you around pretending like that's who they are, acting like that's why you should be with them until they can no longer feign that facade anymore. I also used to think that by saying I wanted a protector, provider, and making gold digger jokes along the way of my relationships that these guys knew exactly who I was, what I was about, who I am, and what a relationship with me would look like. In these situations, each and every single guy still acted like when the relationship was ending because of my standards and not being able to live up to them that they didn't know what a protector and provider was or they didn't understand what it meant when I said that I want to be a woman who stays at home who can focus on her passions. I had dated three specific Dusties who had put me into a relationship dynamic with them that was committed and exclusive where they said that they were providers, they said that they were protectors, they tried to proclaim these things about themselves, especially proclaiming to be nice guys and being like fake nice dudes. Um, Yeah, they all took on these roles or they took on these roles in the beginning trying to prove to me that that's what they were but then once they felt like they had me where they wanted me or they felt like I was showing more emotional investment than they were that's when they thought oh now's a safe time for me to stop now's a safe time for me to back out now's a safe time for me to say I'm in debt I can't afford this relationship but it seems like you love me and that we're a good couple like is this something that you can overlook are you willing to settle on these aspects of your life for true love (laughs) quote-unquote true love right their version of just being able to claim to have a woman in their life who they could gradually take a relationship that was very honest and upfront about where I was and then bring me down to where they actually were because they could no longer pretend they could no longer be the version of themselves that was able to attract me or they felt like they didn't have to be that version of themselves anymore because they already had me And honestly, I'm going to add a term to your vocabulary. It's called percepticide. It's when gradually your views, your character, and the things that make you you get washed away by the person that you are dating. Any man who dates you where you were honest saying that you want a protector, you want a provider, which by the way, let's not say that now because we know that they will call themselves that and they will spend whatever they need to spend on their little credit cards and rack up the debt just to pretend that that's who they are. But once again, any man who says that this is who he is, that he's a protector, he's a provider, or he comes out pretending to be, knowing that that's what you aspire for, knowing that that's what it's going to take to move to the next level with you, to have you intimately, or to have you romantically, or even to just secure your time, even to get just like a few text messages, 
if this guy does that and then switches up on you and gradually tries to make you adopt his 50-50, which we all know will turn into 90-10, especially if there's kids. That is a man who knowingly and consciously bait and switched you. He probably used red pill tactics against you. He might probably even be using them in the relationship. And he's somebody who is eons below you, okay? Like, he doesn't just need a help and a, like, little hand to get him to where he needs to be. No, he completely lacks a mother. He gets his advice from toxic, disturbed men. His veneer probably completely cracked and he can no longer fool you. And he's preying on the fact that you emotionally became so vulnerable and so attached that you are willing to overlook these things. Because, look, at the end of the day, women can be single and we can be fine. We can be single and we can thrive. We can be perfectly happy without a man. But it's the man who wonders, like, hmm, if I get old and ugly, should I settle this many years before I do so that I can secure someone to have kids with me and have those kids be able to wipe my ass? We don't think that way. Like, for us, we have friends. We have other uh, systems of support outside of just having a man. In fact, we very often find ourselves doing so much emotional, physical, and mental labor with a man that we actually get held back. We lengthen their lifespans and they shorten ours and we still end up outliving them. So I just think that's a man who is a predator, honestly. I'm just going to say it. I think it's a predatory mindset. Um, you're setting yourself up for percepticide if you even agree to start having your expectations get managed by him uh, through the lens of, oh, but, you know, would you rather do this for true love? Like, would you leave me just because of the money? Don't leave him for the money if, you know, that's not your priority, but leave him because he lied. Leave him because he was inauthentic. With red flags, there is very little room for improvement. In fact, like I said before, there actually comes more and more and more. So I would see this as an opportunity to clock it as a red flag if you even see the beginning of, well, when are you going to start doing stuff for me? Well, how come you don't buy blank and blank for me? If he starts wondering when you're going to start doing your half of the financial duties or he starts saying something along the lines of, you know, oh, maybe he wants a woman who works and brings value to the world, but, you know, you're somebody who works or whatever. You just, you know, he's he's saying bring value to the world as in bring finances back to the house for him so that he can afford his car payment or afford where he wants to live or whatever he needs. He needs a roommate. He doesn't need you. So watch out. And this is why it's important to live by yourself and to live with your friends or to live in a place where you are already comfortable and so that a man can't dangle the opportunity of living with him as something that's going to uplift and elevate you. Um, No, that can only come when marriage gets involved. And that doesn't mean that marriage is the goal. In fact, I would say keep him off as a boyfriend for a very long time because I don't even think like exclusivity should be determined unless he has already financially, emotionally uh, invested in you and he displayed his character over time and through many acts of opportunity to display his character. Back to saying why you don't tell them that you want a protector and a provider because they will call themselves that. They will rack up the credit card debt. They will do what they need to do to get you to claim exclusivity with them just so that they can have a taste of you. And then they will try to pull the, well, now we're in love, now we've been intimate, just because I'm broke, that means that you don't love me anymore? This literally happened with the last two guys who I let 
claim me exclusively. And honestly, this whole, like, guy that I went on a date with who ended up coming out to me as a 50-50 dude, he pulled it too. And by it, I mean... They all, at the end of the relationship, when I walked away after they tried to do the switcheroonie, they all played the victim role. They all acted like I didn't say what I was about and who I was and where I wanted my life to go. They all were like acting like I turned down true love and commitment and the potential for a future and a family because... I was too pressed on my gold digger ways or whatever the hell they wanted to say. And it's hilarious because if there were friends who were involved in these relationships who got to know them, they saw it too. They were like, no, I remember exactly what he was doing to try to attract you or to try to pull you in. And now he's crying. Yeah, so take that in mind. Somebody who has to proclaim these things is already coming to you from a manipulative space. Why would they not leave you from a manipulative space? The specific Dusty who inspired this podcast today ended our last interaction by telling me that he wasn't actually somebody who was about the FDS life. In this case, he meant being a provider, being a protector, being somebody who has to live up to those actual standards before he can actually get exclusivity and commitment and intimacy. And he even went on to say that he wants somebody who works, who brings value to the world. Mind you, this was somebody who knew that I have a following of over 260,000 people that is primarily women who I help out, who I try to empower or provide mindsets for that their sisters, their mothers, their brothers, or their fathers didn't help them get. Like, he was telling me that I brought no value. And I could tell, like, when I said that on some of my live streams that you guys could see like the little bit of defeat in my face when I said that but in my heart of hearts I see the comments I see the people who tell me that I have changed their life I know that I do bring value and in that moment when he was saying that to me I didn't have to sit there and assert it and be like I do bring value nope he was just being a dusty he was trying to get me to prove myself probably trying to incite some psychotic chaotic reaction which by the way no not really I mean I did get emotional and I did cry but it was mostly because um you know I actually thought in my brain that I could be friends with this guy hilarious why, why would I ever want to be friends with somebody who lied to me so much and who roped me in and then laid out their true cards on the table about being broke and wanting a 50-50 life and not even wanting to provide for somebody who would have their kid. Like, that's another red flag too, right? He said he didn't, he said he wouldn't provide unless he saw someone as somebody who would even have his kid and even then he wouldn't do that. Okay, so now I know that you saying that you wanted a relationship with me you don't actually see me as somebody who is the mother of your children or somebody who you can have a long-term relationship with. Like, that was my validation that those were just words. And I think, like, if you find yourself in this situation of somebody doing the switcheroonie, it's probably because they thought that they had you or they wanted you or you said just enough about what you were looking for to where they could have taken those words, pretended like that was them, and then maybe when they realized that they didn't have the opportunity to live up to that or they were never going to be able to live up to that, that they had to let you go. They had to stop lying to themselves, that they were only going to be hurting themselves financially or emotionally by continuing to string you along or maybe that they were even inviting some type of craziness and drama by doing that to somebody who genuinely believed them. 
Another area of opportunity where I could have walked away was when this was somebody who was bragging about living in the ghetto, but then having thousand dollar clothing items on their body. Like he was literally bragging about the price point of every single item on his body. But y'all, he did not look like that. He absolutely was not (laughs) representing thousand dollar appearance in his physique and his apparel. He would brag about the price point of his shoes and then I would look down and I would see Nike sneakers. Like, child, what is this? I don't, I, moving on. Another thing too, people who are covertly f***ed up, it might look like the guy who is horrible and ruthless and degrading to all of his friends, probably in a way to assert dominance or to feel cool. But then to you, he's sweet and loving. One thing that you'll notice about these guys is that it will only be a matter of time before they start treating you the way that they treat their friends or before they start to exercise that dynamic amongst your dynamic. Wealth whispers, nice guys don't have to say they're nice. People can claim that they are stable, consistent, and reliable until you actually have an opportunity to see them be stable, consistent, and reliable. It's like Lizzo said, why men great till they gotta be great. I'm now going to move into some closing thoughts to end this podcast with. Um, 2021 Ninja Dusties, you know, they're spending their time in our online spaces. They're learning how we operate and they are actively encouraged to con us like straight up con man. And they will be like, "Uh uh-huh, city boys. Another thing too, if you spend your time in MGTOW, Red Pill, or... um black pill spaces you will get a preview of how these men feel about women or even like let's say this guy is very pressed about you not going home with him go ahead and type into google she won't come back to my house and then see what advice men are giving each other about women who won't go back to their homes the scariest thing is that these men will actually give each other scripts that will go along the lines of Oh, just have one more drink. One more drink won't hurt you. All you have to do is enjoy yourself. You don't have to do anything but talk to me. You don't have to do anything but give me a good time. Like, they don't see the word, they don't see the word no as just straight up no. Don't talk about it anymore. They see it as the beginning of a negotiation. Especially if you're on a first date, like, please be wary about partying with people that you don't know or being in a situation where you're getting extremely drunk around a group of people that you've never met before or even just with one dude. Like, I do not recommend partying with people that you've only known for, like, three or five dates. I've had some scary situations, even with like really cute, attractive guys, where I ended up needing to be rescued and go home, like through an Uber and having to like pick up my car at like some random ass place because I parked it just to go get like in an Uber with them and to uh, to ride as a group. Like, please, you don't ever have to do anything you don't want to do. If you guys need some excuses, Tell them that you have work at 8 o'clock in the morning the next day. Tell them that you have to walk your dog at 8 in the morning. Or you can even tell them straight up, hey, I really like you. We just met, but I don't party with people that I don't know. I don't think it's safe. Um, Since we like each other so much and we want to continue to hang out, why don't we make that our second date? Why don't we make that our third third date or whatever? Like literally, we we know that they're not going to do that because the type of guy who's going to sit there and be like, using the script on you and pressuring you and acting like he's never going to see you again if you don't come out with him anyways. 
guess what? His plan was to never see you again from the jump. Or he was going to do something dangerous, sketchy, or cross your boundaries. Like, I would definitely see this as an opportunity to avoid a dude like that unless you were genuinely, like, having a good time. Um, But honestly, don't ever give in to a situation that you don't want to be a part of or that you don't feel safe in. No matter how much fun I'm having on the first date, I still won't find a place to go party with them and be alone. The best way to avoid a 2021 Ninja Dusty is to actually get into his brain, know how he operates, and see the type of advice that they're getting. Another thing that these red pill MGTOW black pill dudes hate is women who are confident, women who are secure, women who are well-rested in their boundaries and who won't allow them to be tested, women who don't respond to shit test, women who know who they are and who have dating experience, which by the way, why do you think they hate women that have body counts? They don't want to be compared. They don't want their tactics to have been used before and for the script to be run on you. Like, they will be so turned off by experience, confidence, knowledge, being self-assured. That alone in itself is going to, at first, yeah, it'll seem like a challenge to them, but all of their tactics are going to fail with you and then they're going to be really upset and irritated that the script didn't work. And then when there's no chemistry, that's when they're going to be able to tell like, oh, this date's lame. It's a dub. They're just going to go and either try to do it again on a second date, which by the way, haha, please ghost them. Or, you know, they will straight up just ghost you, which is the best ending that you can get. I feel like the advice that we give each other, yeah, they can sit here and listen to it all day long, but are they actually going to like sit there and claim to be stable and responsible and think that like we're not going to catch them in the act of an opportunity to live up to that, especially if they're in their late 20s or mid 20s and that behavior is cemented in their brain? Oh, please. Like, unless they have a mentor who actually helps them put on that display. I mean, they're probably even barely displaying that at work. They're probably just doing the things that they need to do to do the job. Um, In my experience, what I've witnessed is that men can, like, come to work late. They can come smelling like beer, smelling like weed. And I could show up three minutes late and then I'll get yelled at and I'll be threatened to be fired. Like, men are held to such low standards by other men that... they're not even holding each other to be responsible unless they are in positions where there is millions of dollars being thrown around. With women, they truly think it's a game. They already think we're stupid. They think our intelligence is dumb like they don't value women they don't humanize us most of like I'm gonna sit here and say this but with the obvious sentiment that there is the occasional one or two who has been written by women or who does have women in their life who have um, made them capable of empathy, sympathy, and who actually nurtured them and raised them right. You know, if you see a guy and you're already telling yourself, oh, I can change this about him. I can make him better in this way and that way. That's your sign that you got a 2021 Ninja Dusty that you're probably going to have to end up raising or making into a better man for the next woman. And let me just say, I had a six-year on-and-off relationship where I absolutely 100% raised that man. When that relationship ended and he was telling me about his new relationship with his new boo, he was telling me about how she lets him get away with everything. Like, he was who he needed to be with me to secure me. And then the second that he left my space, he reverted right back into who he was. And guess what? When you work on a man and you do actually end up making him better... 
no one's going to give you credit because at the end of the day, people can't change unless they want to change themselves on their own. And you see this across the board. This is irregardless of like whether you're a man or a woman. So you're not going to get any credit for making this man be a better dude. That, I mean, maybe his mom will, maybe his dad will, but no one ever thanks the previous girlfriend. So don't ever enter a situation thinking that that's going to be a good situation for you. Another point that I want to lay out, cracks that show themselves very early on in the beginning, that's the veneer starting to break right in front of your face. That's the windshield that got that one little micro crack and then it spread and spread and spread until it broke the entire windshield. Be very mindful of them because if you see one red flag, you will see more and it will get worse. And I wish I was joking. I wish I could put some optimism in your heart and tell you, oh, talk to him about it. Work on it. No, talking to them about it is only giving them an opportunity to gaslight you and to hide that horrible behavior from the next girl. But, you know, if they're a sea of red flags, obviously the other ones are going to present themselves naturally. Going back over intuition. Grow your intuition. Make that a muscle that is so fiercely developed that nobody can come in between you and your intuition. And, of course, you know, going back into what you could do to avoid this, just being very honest with yourself when it comes to are you giving people opportunities to lie to you? specifically by telling them exactly what you want and what dynamic you want and letting them pretend that they can bring that to you without them actually doing it on their own without any motivation or without any I guess I don't want to say coercement but in their mind it is somewhat coercement to them because they're thinking oh this is what she said she wanted let me go ahead and do that so that I can get the cookie and speed run this relationship by taking her on three lavish dates or four lavish dates which by the way that's called conspicuous spending look up that topic they eventually will do it until they go broke or until they can't get the cookie and they will move on build up their little coins and then find someone else to go in debt for to try to impress for me, this topic is something that I think you guys have asked for in the past, but I've been so separated from the vanilla dating space and men in my age group that I didn't really know if I would be able to speak to it accurately. I am kind of sad that I did have to go through this, but I think it was a moment of empathy and clarity for me because I used to have a very staunch, like cold-hearted take on being with dudes for good looks and for where you were coming from in your feelings. Um... I really just want to make it clear to check your desperation when you are entering a situation because that's where like it'll feel like oh finally this is what I wanted like now it's presenting itself to me like this happy healthy relationship and this guy who's matching or he's he's saying that he's the things that I want right let's make sure that we are not giving our desperation the opportunity to drive the wheel of where the bus is going because it will take you into love bomb lane and it will drive you right over the cliff and then you're going to have to go into the healing process. But I would like to think of this as more than healing. I would like to think of this as me becoming better than I was before. Obviously, healing is an essential part of moving forward and going on with your journey. Um... And, you know, do whatever you need to do to get that. But let's make sure that we're not going back to normal. Let's make sure that we're getting better and that we're getting lessons that we can apply to life and even help other women see. The Ninja Dusty that inspired this podcast today really did tear me up emotionally for a few days. I was genuinely upset because I did allow myself to believe that he was a protector. He was a provider. He was talking the talk. He was walking the walk until he eventually wasn't. 
And who knows, like a lot of you guys suspected, what if he knew who you were online already? What if he saw you as something that he wanted to conquer? Um, in my opinion, I do think that he did want to conquer and dominate me because with the end, like let's say, okay, if being 50-50 was his values and if wanting a woman who works a full-time job was his value, which by the way, this is work. Y'all, don't get it twisted. You think building an empire and running a little army is not work? Like, f him for even trying to say that it wasn't. But if that was his value, then so be it. We could at the very least be friends since we got along as well as we did. Or at least the way that I perceived us um, to be getting along was genuine and authentic. Honestly, it just sounds really thirsty to me. Like, you can't be my friend because you're going to be too busy thinking about me or wanting to have more with me um, on a level where you could potentially, let's say, dominate me, right? Or be able to claim me to your friends and your family or your Facebook or whatever weird uh, submission that you need from me that would make you feel comfortable having any type of dynamic with me if I was to exist in your life in any capacity. And I'm saying this because, you know, when I did mention that I wanted a protector and provider, I was very, like, explicit about that, right? Um, and then when we had our final conversation, he said that he wouldn't even do that for his wife, maybe somebody who was the mother of his child, but even then, you know, he didn't know. Like, when he said that to me, like, that's my knowledge that he didn't even see me as the wife or the mother. Like, to me, this was all about being able to hit from the back. I think that's the type of heartbreak that hurts the most is like, you wanted to believe he was real right down to the nice guy persona. No, he's fake. You mean, what, what's that TikTok sound? A clown? It's a clown? <laughs> when I got emotional about this dude, it was because, yes, him saying that he was a protector provider and nodding along actually was a green flag in my brain. Now I realize that's literally anything any guy can say. Um, I didn't want to believe that I was being love bombed when he said he had deleted his apps for me. And I also didn't want to believe that, oh, he just did a mistake. He just forgot to do this. Like, I didn't realize that he said that he deleted his apps. And then, you know, still seeing the one that was open or available, like his profile. I just wanted to think that it was a mistake and not him leaving one foot in, one foot out and saying what he needed to say to feign intimacy. Truthfully, besties, desperation was leading the way here. I wish I could pretend like I was the big bad wolf who wasn't allowing herself to even let him into my mental space, but I did let him into my mental space. It was also a realization that I'm not where I think I am in my mind. I am still prone when it comes to validation, right? I do still feel a certain way about people appreciating my social media or at least the person who I am behind my social media. And that was just kind of like, it hurt because it's been a while since I let somebody see that side of me. But now I have a different mindset. I realized that I didn't actually get to know this man all along. What I really got to learn was his mask, his representative, and that's okay that, you know, that that's all he was. The person that he must have been underneath was probably really horrible and not worth getting to know since he didn't put, since he didn't lead with that foot. For me, this podcast is my cathartic healing journey because I want to make sure nobody has to deal with what I dealt with, but also I feel like once I put this out into a creative space and I have it all documented, I can shut off the memories from my mind and I can move on with my life and have a men in black flash memory erasing moment of all the feelings that this dude actually made me felt and just take away the tactics that were used on me and turn those into things that I can look out for in the future. 
For me, making this podcast is like writing 2021 Ninja Dusty on a note in a balloon and then sending it up into the sky and releasing it to be free. I think the Ninja Dusty is not any different from the ones that we saw back in 2016 or 2017. I think that these are just dudes who happen to have more online interaction with what we're saying to each other. They're just more versed in a online internet space with social media. I think that might be like a 2020 development with quarantine and how many of us turn to online spaces. But otherwise, you guys, this is the end of the podcast. I will catch up with you all very, very soon. I hope this helped out. Um, If anything, you guys, I am on many other places online. I will be uploading the chapter version of this onto YouTube. But I hope you guys all have a great day. And yeah, stay dusty free. Love you guys. Have a good day. Oh, and thank you so much for listening and watching the Fleekazoid podcast. I hope you guys all come back. Bye.